Okay, the last thing we saw. <clears throat> in Oizayin, the Rebbe explains that the Nitzachin of the Milchama was complete because it came from Messias Nefesh of Yechidosh of Nefesh. And, and then the Rebbe started answering questions. Right? Neres Hanukkah are different from Neres Mikdash because Neres Hanukkah are connected to the level of eight. Right? That's what we saw last. The last thing we saw was the Kinor of Mashiach is eight because eight is a level of Mishael is beyond the natural order. The natural order is one of seven, and eight is beyond that. Okay? V'zeu gamatam, and this is also the reason, Shenedus Hanukkah chalukim minedus amikdash gam bezman hadlakosam. Why is it that we light the candles? This was the fifth question. I'm sorry, I, I, there were a lot more copies of this. I, 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 it's a chalik basin. There's a couple of them down there, probably. I'm just surprised there aren't more. I, I thought I had copies in my book. I mean, I, that I took back when I gave them up. And I don't know what happened. That uh, I'm sorry. We said they're different in terms of the number and in terms of the time. Number? Why eight and not seven? Because Hanukkah is l'mayla misederish dalshlus. That's what Hanukkah is all about—a supernatural state of reality, as opposed to the highest state of kedusha in nature, which is the base of mikdash, which is also Shabbos, Shabbos in time. All right. So to the base of mikdash in space, the base of mikdash is Shabbos in space. Also relative to time. The mitzvah of he is when the sun sets, not plug a mincha an hour and a quarter before that. Specifically through the revelation of that's beyond the natural order of a person. That is how you illuminate dark. You can't, illu- you can't illuminate the night with forces of nature because night is a force of nature. <laughs> Obviously, you have to touch a place beyond nature in order to illuminate dark because that whatever darkness you're experiencing is a function of, of nature creating that, that reality of darkness. And what is it that illuminates that? Obviously, something beyond the natural realm. And in, in, in Aveda, what is that? A level of your neshama that is beyond that level that, that is clothed in your body and part of the natural world. Relative to the light of Yechidosh Benefesh. Not only is the Choshech Eina Mailim, not only is the darkness, does the darkness not conceal the light, the light is so powerful that the darkness is transformed to light, and since Hanukkah represents that level of Aveda, so the lighting of the Hanukkah licht is dafka a time to transform darkness into light. That's the, 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 the whole message of Hanukkah. V'zeogam that's also the, 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 I mean, we've talked about it before, that's the Iker message of the Beis HaMikdash. How does the Beis HaMikdash transform darkness into light? Mm-hmm. We saw it in Basi Lagani, the Rabbi Tavzulani. Take physical reality and turn it into a vehicle for incredibly powerful godly revelation. That's the Beis HaMikdash in the simplest form. Right. What allows you to do that? Obviously, the physical stuff you're using itself doesn't allow you to do that. There has to be something beyond nature that allows that to happen. 
Because the nature of physical reality is that it's physical and it doesn't reveal godliness. That's the nature of it. In terms of its physical nature. Page Chaf Beis in the book. You've got Chelek Beis. I think I You might have. Does it say Malukit on the front? Malukit, but it says Malukit Beis on the front. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Let's go. Because I'd like to it'd be nice. I don't, I don't think we're going to finish the mind today, but certainly by Sunday we want to finish the mind. Lizel Gam, Masha's Manashonech Hanukkah. He, the end time. We this is something we did not talk about. We did not talk about in the in the questions. But also, until when can you light Hanukkah Lich? Meaning, you come home from Mivtsoyim. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, hold on one second. I just did that. Okay. Shimshin, that was close. You come home from Mitzoyim. What's the latest you can light Hanukkah? The earliest we know we light, which Arab Shabbos we light a little earlier because we can't light at Shkia, but we light at Shkia. Okay, that's, that's the basic time. What's the latest time? Because what's the ultimate purpose of Lahalocha? No. The ultimate purpose, Lahalocha, of lighting Hanukkah is what? So people can see it. Okay, to publicize the miracle. La locha, that's why you're lighting Hanukkah. Lich, to publicize the miracle. It's called Pirsuma Nisa. Okay, so therefore, what must be around? People. Okay, there must be people around. But if you light Hanukkah, if, that's why if you light it in a place where no one will see it, so you haven't been Makayim the Mitzvah. Why? No one see you light on the You light in your window on the 50th story of, a, of an apartment building. And you're not in Manhattan, so there's no fiftieth story across the street from you. You're not yet see the mitzvah. Why not? No one can see it, so you weren't farsim as the nays, right? Now, if you're alone in the apartment, there might be other people in the apartment, so they can see it, right? Now we don't light in a window, but people do. There are people who do light in a window, and that's why they light in a window in order to be farsim as the nays. You will notice in Yerushalayim many, 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 many people. The majority of people, I don't know, but in the in the Haredi community, probably it's reasonable to say the majority of people are going to light in little boxes at the at the entrance to their apartment building or the entrance to their chatzer, to their courtyard. That's where you'll see a lot of Hanukkiyot. Why? They put it out on the street. So people in the street can see it. Right? They have these little glass boxes. So you keep the wind out, and it's uh, that's, how, that's how they light. Right? In Lubavitch, we light... Inside, which is sort of funny, because we're the ones who are about all about taking it outside, and it's it's, it's an interesting sicha. The Rebbe, the Rebbe asks, why is it we light inside? I mean, theoretically, you're supposed to you're supposed to light outside. I mean, that's where you're supposed to. I'll be in times of in times of difficulty, so you can light inside. I mean, if the if the non-Jewish neighbors are going to come and smash your Hanukkah, so then you light inside, which is what everybody did in Europe, because the non-Jewish neighbors would smash the Hanukkah. So why is it now when there's no non-Jewish neighbors who are going to smash our Hanukkiyot, right? I mean, there are still places where that happens. My uh, son-in-law grew up in Gateshead. So Gateshead is Newcastle, you know, real high-class English Gentiles. So he said that it was very, you know, the people had to, when you build your sukkah in your backyard, you have to have a fence above the height of the sukkah, so you can't see the sukkah from the alleyway behind the house. Because if you could, so the goyim would take would take uh, alcohol and fill it, you know, put a wick in and throw a little 
little Molotov cocktails under the top of the sukkahs to burn them because it would oh, be Leo, fun to watch the, sukkah, watch the sukkah burn up. Geordies, they're called. Right. We all like glass. <coughs> I think they call it white trash, but I don't know. So, so... Uh, so, so for many, many, many generations, Jews lit inside, right? So the Rebbe, why is our minute to light inside when we're in places where theoretically we could light outside, and Adgerekach were in places that we could light outside, that Labavitch is busy having lighting menorahs in the middle of the city's plaza in front of the city hall, right, in every town in the world. So you know, why do we light inside? And the Rebbe says an amazing thing. And it's it's it, on a, it, it takes a while to understand. You have to think about it. That that um, you know, it says that before you can illuminate the world, you have to illuminate your insides, your own house, and then you can illuminate the world. Which is a very interesting thing to say, since we're so busy illuminating the world. So Hanukkah, our Hanukkah is almost is 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 is, is somewhat opposite of what you would think it would be. But we also go out and light public menorahs, but. Um, that's, that was why the Rebbe said we light inside. So we light inside. You'll figure out all the halachas before before Hanukkah. You have another week. We can uh, what uh, you have eleven days to worry about it. All right. Now, how late? So this is the Gemara in Shabbos. The Gemara says like this: The word tichle. What does that sound like? That'd be telech. Abel, okay, that okay, that could be Yachol, but it's not. For Yachulo Shemayim, what does that mean? Complete. complete. Until it's completed, finished, regal minashuk. The feet from the market. I mean there's no one walking around outside. If there's no one walking around outside, so then lighting a menorah outside isn't so useful because you're not Mafarsa Misanesus, no one will see it. All right. Ad Tarmudai. So the Mishnah says, the Baraisa says, until these feet stop from the market. And what, what, what is that, how is that explained? At the Kalya, it's finished, Rigla the Tarmudai, the legs of the Tarmudai. The Tarmudai, in Pshat, the Tarmudai were, were people, were, were a certain group of people who were the last people in the market, and they used to gather up little little leftovers from the market. They were very poor, and they used to gather up the leftovers from the market and take it home, so they were always the last ones there. That was with the Tarmudai. That's the, the simple pshat in the Gemara. The Rebbe explains it all panemius. What is Tarmudai? Tarmudai, heim hamerdim, they're the, the ones who rebel b'malchus shemayim, against the kingship of heaven. Tarmud, the word Tarmud is Isis Meredes, is the has the same letters as the one who rebels. And where are they? They're in the market. What's the market? The public domain. So in 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 Kedusha, what's the public domain? In in Halacha, the public domain is a place where the public goes, as opposed to the private domain, which is your house. And we know there's all sorts of halachas in Hilchah Shabbos regarding the, the prohibition carrying things from the public domain into the private domain and from the private domain into the public domain. And from carrying things a certain distance in the public domain itself. Okay, fine. Right? But in Pneumius, what's the public domain? 
The Rishus of Rabim, the domain of the many, as opposed to Rishus HaYochid, the domain of the one, meaning Rishus Rabim represents that aspect of reality that conceals the unity of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Rishus HaYochid is that place that reveals the unity of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. The Rishus HaYochid, the domain of the one, where the oneness of a Kaddish Baruch Hu is revealed. Rishus Rabim is the place where that oneness is concealed, the place where differentiation and multiplicity, and multiplicity reigns physical world, right? Where do they hang out? In the Rishus Rabim, in the public domain, Ture de Pruda, the mountains of separation. Again, referring to a place where godliness is concealed. That's Rishus Rabim, the place where a person is over, overtaken by the multiplicity of reality, as opposed to the unity of reality. Val Yedei Neres and by virtue of Neres Hanukkah, Nase Kalya Rigle de Tarmudai. The Neres Hanukkah have the ability to do away with the feet of the, of the one who's rebellious. In other words, to illuminate the Rishus Rabim so it becomes a Rishus Yachid in, 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 in Ruchnias. That that place that seems to hide Elokus becomes a place of tremendous sensitivity and revelation of Elokus. That's the power of Ner Hanukkah. The Shnei Perushim Bezeh. There are two explanations of this idea of Kalya Rigle de Tarmudai. Sha'or de Ner Hanukkah, Michale, it destroys, Umevatel, nullifies, Es Rigle de Tarmudai, this force of darkness, or a deeper pshat, Vishaor de Ner Hanukkah, Pale Hakilayon. Kilayon, Kalya, the word Kalya, Miloshin Kilyon, Kilyon v'Kloisa Nefesh. Kloisa Nefesh means not the destruction of the soul, but the soul is ev- elevated to such an incredibly high level that, it, that it, 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 it becomes unaware of its own existence. It's a very, very powerful and high level of, 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 uh, of revelation. So there's destruction of something, you mevatel it, or you elevate it to such a level that it's so incredibly powerfully connected to Elokus that it loses sight of its own existence. Two levels of understanding the word of how did, how the Hanukkah licht affects the darkness. Even on the lowest level, the lowest level comes to a point of incredible devotion to Elokus. Even the ones who rebel, will come to the highest state of, of, of devotion and, and connection to a Kaddish Baruch That's Ner Hanukkah. So we asked the question earlier on in the Mimer. And there's different places in the Mimer where you see this more powerfully, but we just saw it very powerfully in these different levels in which the Rebbe is explaining the, the effect of, of Ner Hanukkah on darkness. That since it comes from a, a level beyond the natural, since it's such an incredibly powerful level of godly light, so not only is it not darkened by the dark, it illuminates the dark. <coughs> Meaning Ner Hanukkah can penetrate into the darkest place and illuminate it. Well, we had an earlier question that we found interesting, that Hanukkah on one hand is the anti-culture holiday. Hanukkah is all about, Yiddishkeit is not a culture, Yiddishkeit is about God, has nothing to do with anything else, right? That's what Hanukkah is, right? What did the Greeks want? The Greeks wanted our Jewish identity to be cultural. Lashkicham Torah Secho, to make us forget your Torah, learn Torah. 
Torah is one of the greatest expressions of human intellectual endeavor, blah, blah, blah. Every university has a Talmud department or a Jewish studies department. Every major library, every library worth its salt has a major section in Judaica, which will have ancient Jewish texts. (coughs) Judaism is part of the intellectual heritage of the Western world, blah, blah, blah. All that. That's the Greek. That's what the Greek wants. What doesn't the Greek want? Elokos. To make it, this is what the Rebbe said in the Mime earlier, right? To make us forget your Torah, right? To move us away from the Choyk, to move us away from a, from a devotion to a Kaddish Baruch Hu that transcends our intellect. The Greek has, has no problem with the fact that every society will have certain laws, and even laws that commemorate historical events in that society's history. Right? Edes. Right? Of course, why, why shouldn't we have a holiday celebrating the fact that we were once enslaved in Egypt and get out of, we got out of Egypt? We should definitely have such a holiday. Just keep God out of it, and the Greek is happy. Oh, so Hanukkah is the, is the, is the battle against such a view of the world. Right? That's what the Hashemonim were all about, battling that aspect of the Greeks, because that's what the Greeks were all about. The Greeks had no pride. Let there be, you, you have a wonderful culture. Live this culture, beautiful, no problem. Just keep God out of the picture, because there's no such thing. So says the Greek. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, does the Greek represent a specific type of like attitude towards Judaism, or does it actually speak about the Greeks? Both. Meaning they were that way, and they represent that attitude. They're the Kli- they're the Chachma of Klipa. The Romans weren't into Chachma. The Romans were just, you know, let's have a party. The Greeks were Chachma of Klippa. So, Romans didn't make universities. They made toga parties. They made fraternities. I mean, the fraternities all have Greek names, but really what's going on in there is Rome. (laughs) Okay. The Greeks were, you know, were were intellectuals, blah, blah, blah. Beginning of democracy. I mean, you know, sort of. A few people got to vote. No, oh, well, okay, that's a start. I mean, it was definitely a start at the whole idea, 100%. Okay. So, so and, and why were they that way? Right? That's what we talked about earlier in the way you, you hadn't yet uh, flown north. Right? That, that it, it, when the Rebbe says that the Greeks wanted to be Matamis, a Shemin Shabahechel. What's Shemin Shabahechel? Chochma Shababina. So it says they were Matamis, the, the Shemin and the Hechel, the oil in the Hechel. Right? So, so what does that mean in Paninius? Shemin is Chachma, Hechel is Bina. Chachma, Shemin is Chachma, Shemin floats on top. That Shemin and Chachma is always, they're always connected, right? And how is Hechel Bina? The, 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 con- your consciousness, like the, the, the Hechel, the, what's a, uh, the, the, the palace, but there's a better word. Like the, the large room in which you have your conscious reality. Everything that you understand is in this large Hechel, so to speak. Okay, in this large room of consciousness. Okay, I, I apologize for lack of a better word. Right. So, so the the what did the Greeks want to do? Be matama shemen shabehechel. The Greek doesn't care what you understand, as long as you think about it the way he wants you to. You can learn Torah, as long as you learn Torah like a Greek, because you'll take the God out of it, and it'll have no effect on you whatsoever. 
As long as, I mean, he doesn't care what you know. He wants, he wants to affect how you think. If you think like a Greek, you could sit and learn Hasidus, and you would turn it into a subject like biology. Intellectual. Right, purely intellectual, interesting, fascinating, but, you know, and you might have interesting psychological insights into these people who had all these ideas and why they had to have all these ideas and what was their psychological need for all these ideas about loftiness, etc., etc., etc. And why do they need to hear stories about you know, righteous people doing amazing <coughs> things, what psychological, emotional need does that fulfill, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe it actually happened. That's not part of the equation. That's just not part of the equation for the Greek. You can't see that. So everything has to be understood within a certain box. Everybody has boxes, right? Okay, so that's the Greek box. So that's what Hanukkah is all about. Hanukkah is destroying that box. Hanukkah is all about seeing Elokus in everything. So that's what, that's what we were talking about earlier on. We said, well, we have to understand. Hanukkah is, on one hand, the holiday, the, the miracle that destroys the notion of Judaism as culture. And it is the most culturally performed holiday in the Jewish of the Jewish calendar year. Hanukkah is the expression of Jewish culture for most Jews. So that doesn't make any sense, right? How does that happen? Oh, so what, what do I just explain? The Hanukkah light is so powerful that it penetrates into the darkest places imaginable. So where will Hanukkah light penetrate? Into a house, a Jewish house, where there's no remnant of Yiddishkeit whatsoever. What will get in there? Hanukkah light. Hanukkah licht is so powerful it penetrates in. So there'll be a Hanukkah licht we talked about earlier. There'll be a Hanukkah, Hanukkah licht on the kitchen table with Wonder Bread and and treif, uh, you know, cold cuts next to the Hanukkah. Tray food next to the Hanukkah, and the, and the person's going to light the Hanukkah with a bracha. He says, "Wait, this is ridiculous. This is antithetical to Hanukkah." Well. On an external level, it's antithetical to Hanukkah because you're turning Hanukkah into this cultural holiday. Because obviously, it has nothing to do with God. Because what are you doing eating Wonder Bread and 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 you know, I don't know, Oscar Hammer or whatever it's called, whatever you know, some sort of weird cold cut, right? Not from Maishis, right? So one sec, I didn't get there. One sec. So, so uh, on the other hand, that's exactly the power of the Hanukkah lift. It gets to that place, even that place, the Hanukkah lift will shine. Which is an amazing, that's what the Rebbe just explained. That's the, that's the flip side of the same coin. So the, the, and, and most Jews who like the Hanukkah lift, they actually make a bracha. Most. Uh, English, Hebrew. Uh, 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 they'll even sing a song. Did one sensitive sensitivity to godliness affect their like ability to see miracles in the base of Mikdash? Like, couldn't the Greeks have come into the base of Mikdash and been aware of something like divine? The rubber, the, the, no, they went in there and they destroyed anything divine. That's what's so astounding. Is that because like their their <laughs> being so grub led them not to be able to see something other than themselves? No. So you have they to... couldn't they they would interpret anything. I, mean, I don't know what they experienced when they walked in. I have no clue, right? I mean, I, who knows, right? What did it? What did you and I experience when we walked in? <laughs> I don't know. What was that experience? I don't know. What? But in the, anybody can have a certain, you know, there are certain places of holiness that most people, 
you have to be very insensitive not to be sensitive to the holiness in that place. But you and I still know there are all sorts of people who are insensitive to that holiness. Right? Most people, when they go to the Kaisal, experience a certain reverence for the place. That this, this, is, this is a holy place. There's, some, there's something holy going on here. Something different going on here. Jew and non-Jew. Right? The non-Jewish world leaders, you always see them, their head is bowed. They look in a certain state of bittle when they're standing there. Right? Okay. Go Tishabov at night. What will you see? All sorts of people saying kinos and all sorts of people partying. It's the biggest social hangout in Yerushalayim. I mean, don't go. Don't go Tishabov at night. But I mean, were you to go Tishabov at night, what would you see? All sorts of, you know, American yeshiva students partying. I mean, they're not, they're, they're, not, they're not eating, right? But they're, hey, how are you doing, right? You're not even allowed to say hello to people on Tishabov yet. It's not until Chatzos the next day, right? It's the biggest social scene in the, in the city. Wait a minute. How can you... What, what, what's happening exactly? How are you losing your sensitivity to what's... It's also Tishabov. I mean, this, the, the whole reason this wall is here is because we don't have what's behind it and what's supposed to be there, right? With what certain lack of sensitivity. <laughs> I think you see, when you see videos of the Rebbe, you see people go by the Rebbe, some people go by the Rebbe, it's obvious that they are very awed by the Rebbe's presence. And other people talking to the Rebbe, oh, what do you think, and what, you know, like as if they're talking to someone who maybe is a little smarter than them, but, you know, some people get it, and some people don't. The Greeks don't. They just don't. I mean, well, they can't see. That's the, that pachachad of Shemen. That's what's so amazing about the Mimer. The pachachad of Shemen, how Chesidus explains it, they, it's not that it wasn't there. They can't see that state of reality. So it could be staring them in the face and they don't see it. Right? I mean, you know, obviously, we weren't there. We were there, but we don't remember being there, right? So that, that, that idea, you know, what was Kriyas Yamsuf? Tides. Tides of the Red Sea. Okay. What was man? Mushrooms. First of all, that's you know bad science. Why don't you go look at the Red Sea and see if there's tides that would allow three million people to walk through? It's also stupid because really it's not. We didn't walk through the middle. There were twelve lanes, right? Each tribe had its own. Each shaver had its own lane, and there was a wall of water in between us where the, there was this giant aquarium in between us and you could see a tribe on this side and a tribe on this side through the walls of water and I guess you would also see all sorts of incredibly beautiful colored fish because that's what's in the Red Sea, right? It's coral reef and all that, it's beautiful. Okay, so you'd see all these incredible fish and you have this wall of water and you're walking through and it's dry as a, as a road in the summer. Okay, so that's not tides. Okay, so let, let's say that didn't happen. So it's just, it's a tide, okay. Go to, the, go to the Sinai Desert and see if there's enough mushrooms that grow in the morning to feed three million people. Meaning it's not even reasonable. And yet the Greek mind, because there's also people who say this, right? Okay, the story happened, but this is really what it was just can't see anything beyond that. It has to be explained naturally. I can't fathom anything beyond that. 
Right? Okay. And there's people who can have who have no problem fathoming that existing way back when because it was different times. But what about miracles today? They refuse to allow for the existence of such a thing. Anything miraculous, anything out of the ordinary. No. They don't happen anymore. Who says miracles don't happen anymore? I don't understand. Right? So, so I mean, you know, any Lubavitcher knows so many stories of the Rebbe bringing about rather miraculous curing of people with, you know, incredible brachas and things, just crazy things that happen. Okay, so... <coughs> The Greek just has a really hard time. He'll, he has no problem with it. How, okay, so it happened four thousand years ago. I don't. I wasn't there. I know that doesn't that doesn't challenge me. It happens now. Right? Bothers a person. Right? That crazy story of Steve from Philadelphia that was around on the WhatsApps. Why? Because he was interviewed at the at Kinesuchluchim. How did Steve get to Lubavitch? I showed some of you the video. Crazy, crazy video. Steve, this guy, you know. 50-year-old American, gray beard, big black glasses, hat that doesn't sort of fit right. You know, one of these guys who ended up in Lubavitch and sort of looks like, like it sort of fits, but not exactly. You know, one of those guys. His name is Steve. Right? When Steve makes kiddish Friday night, he like messes up a lot of the words, but it's okay. You know, Steve's a good guy. So Steve, <sighs> married to a non-Jewish woman, right? It's, it's, I think he says that, right? He's married to a non-Jewish woman, and Steve is thinking about Judaism, and maybe he should get back into it a little bit. It's like 10, 15 years, 10 years ago. And he's, uh, he's, he's driving home from work and he says, you know, maybe I should go to shul because it's Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. So he says, and, and he's, he's telling the story. It's a, it's a crazy story. He says, uh, I was driving on, he named the highway in Philadelphia. He was going somewhere. He was on his way home from work and he said whatever highway it was, I don't remember. And he, he, was, he was near the football field, he says. And, and he, he, say, he asks God for a sign that uh, he should go to shul and where he should go to shul. And as, as he asks God for the sign, he turns, you know, he goes, drives on the highway, and there's a big billboard and says, if you're looking for a place to pray on, on you know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, whatever, I don't know exactly what it said on the billboard, but it was like, you know, that's what it said on the billboard. You, know, you, want, to, you want to go to shul on your Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, call this number. So he's already passed it by the, you know, he didn't get the number by the time he said, wow, unbelievable. That's just what I asked. So he, he actually turned around on the, on, the, on the interstate, came back and did it again and got, pulled off on the side, got the number, called the number, no answer. The rabbi calls him back. Can I help you? I'm looking for a place to daven. Great, no problem, you know. Okay, well, why don't you come by Friday night? He said, come and daven Friday night with us and you'll come eat dinner with us. We'll get to know you. So well, I, you know, my wife's not Jewish. It doesn't matter. You come anyway. So the Shulia asked him, "How did you? How did you hear about us?" She says, "With the billboard on Highway, you know, four ninety-five." She says, "What billboard?" Well, it's a billboard, a big a billboard on Highway four ninety-five that says it has your picture of your number and blah blah blah. Shulia said, "Okay, I don't remember such a billboard? He must have paid for such a billboard. He doesn't remember such a billboard. Fine. Anyway." He meets the guy. They, he gets into it. He's, he's from now. I don't know. I don't know what happened to his wife. He doesn't say that, but 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 he, he, he's from. Right. He asked the shaliach about the billboard. He said, "I don't know what you're talking about." He drove back to the same place. There's no billboard. He got a phone number and called the phone number, and someone answered. There's no billboard. 
That's how Steve got to Lubavitch. He asked God for a sign. He told the story. He said, look, I, I, there was no billboard. I don't know. I got the number. I called up the rabbi. I told him, of, now I'll go ask the rabbi. So yeah, he told me he's not in a billboard. There's no billboard. We never had a billboard. Okay. The Greek refuses to believe that that happened and thinks that Steve is psychotic. Might Steve be psychotic? 100%. <laughs> no, that's certainly possible. That's in the realm of possibility. Steve is pushed, psychotic, and he's a complete maniac. And Ad Grekach, that he will tell an absolute, you know, I mean, he's Adam Schiff on steroids, this guy, right? He'll just lie. He doesn't care what he says, and he'll say it in front of a camera because he's, he's in front of a camera talking about, you know, his experience. And now the whole world knows about Steve's experience, and it's really all a big lie. Is that possible? Absolutely. Is it possible that it happened? Absolutely. Is that completely just bizarre and wild? Absolutely. Could it happen? Absolutely. Did it? I don't know. How do I know? I assume so. I assume Steve's not a liar. He got a phone number and called a shaliach and went for Shabbos, right? Like that all happened. How did he get the number? Oh, really, he looked it up in the phone book and he just thought he was going to make up a good story about a billboard. I mean, okay, that could be, but then Steve's really weird, right? So go meet Steve. I mean, anybody here from Philadelphia, you will go there, go meet Steve. You ever met Steve? Did you see the clip? I'm trying to think of what Steve's I know in Philadelphia. Uh, okay, I'll show you the clip after. Maybe, I don't, I don't know where it is exactly. It's you know, somewhere in the WhatsApps. I don't know where, but I'll, sh- I'll try to find the clip and I'll show it to you because I-, I showed it to Shire you sh- to see if he knew Steve and he, he wasn't sure. Right. But he's in one of the Chabad houses in Philly, you know, somewhere. I don't know. Schwager Sherman, I don't know where he is. Whoever. Steve. Right. Do those. What? No, no, I mean, there are all sorts of, you know, billboards were a big thing in, in Lubavitch. I mean, for, you know, when, when the Rebbe came out and said, we have to prepare the world for Mashiach, etc., etc., so. And you have to figure out how to do it. And you know, one of the things that happened in America was the 1-800-Mashiach billboards. They opened up a number, 1-800-Mashiach. The people could call a number and ask any question they wanted about Yiddishkeit in general and Mashiach in particular. And people did. I mean, there were the billboards all over America. 1-800-Mashiach. A 1-800 number, the people could call and ask about uh, you know, Yiddishkeit in general, but Mashiach. That was the... Right? <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I don't know whether... It'd be interesting. Can you still call the number? I don't know. The billboards disappeared. But... Um, We're not in America. Zusha Zubashtin was from Montreal. was the one who came up with the idea because he was on the... You know, they, they, right after the secret where the Rebbe said, I've done what I can do, so now it's up to you to arouse in yourselves uh, a desire for Mashiach and uh, bring Mashiach and so the, 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 the everybody met the next day and one of the things they came up with was uh, this idea which is a very powerful idea it was all over America you'd see these 1-800 driving in LA on one of the interstates to 1-800 Mashiach sign so okay well what's that okay so the Greek is the one who just he, he refuses to believe that Steve's story could possibly happen even if he's, he, okay, there was man in the desert, fine, because that was like, you know, way back when. That was, in black and white, there could be miracles. But in, once the world got color, there's no more miracles. Like 1962, everything's turned into color, and then no miracles after color. That was like, you know. 
Color was the miracle. Color was the miracle. <laughs> there you go, right after that. I mean, why bother? Now everything's in color. When everything was black and white, it was pretty boring. You needed a few miracles to make life exciting. Now now there's color. So, yeah. Okay. So there's still a few questions we have to answer. Let's go further. Valpi Kolhanal, based on all of this, Yuvana Fergleich. It's understood. You remember what Fergleich was? You learned a Yiddish word in this mime. Comparison. Right? The first time the Rebbe translated it into Hebrew. Right? He put in the, the Hebrew word. I mean, I don't know why. They, it, 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 everything the Rebbe said was in Yiddish. Why some words are printed in Yiddish is always one of the mysteries of the printing of, of uh, Maimar. I'll pico and I'll, based on this, we can understand the Fergleich, the comparison. The Neres Hanukkah, the Sukkah Because those were our two main questions. Why do we learn Hilchas Hanukkah from Sukkahs? And again, what did we learn from Sukkot? What halacha did we learn from Sukkot? Don't tell me you forgot. means you didn't do Chazara in the Mimer. Some of you did. The day, the day I wasn't here, I heard you. Okay, beautiful. But that was the answer to the question. Then we wanted to know why they both ate. But why did we ask that question? What question were we answering by saying, oh, they're both ate, therefore they're connected? What do we learn from Sukkot regarding Hanukkah? Beishamai. Beishamai holds that you decrease in the candles, Be-deal. just like you decrease in the parachah. Right? Beishamai holds that you you uh, you go eight seven six five four three two one in Hanukkah in terms of lighting licht. Right? Very beautiful sikhs of the Rebbe. You'll learn them over Hanukkah as to why. What's the what's the machlekes Beishamai Beisilol and Pnimius? Beisilol says one two three four five six seven eight, which is obviously what we do. The Rebbe told us in the beginning of the Maimur that the Tzemach Sedek says that even Beis Hillel agrees that you should, that you would learn from Pareyachag. What are the Pareyachag? The bullocks brought on Sukkot, <coughs> which represented the 70 nations <coughs> of the world. So we started with 13 and we went to 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7. Add them up, 70. Representing the 70 nations of the world. Okay, so... so the, uh, the, the, the bulls that were brought on the, on the altar <coughs> um, diminished in number. So we, the Beishamah says, so we should light Hanukkah Licht, 8765432121. What's the connection, the Rebbe asked. Why, why would I learn Hanukkah from Sukkot? Okay, the simple answer, they're both eight. Then Rebbe asked, why are they both eight? So now we know why, now we know why Hanukkah is eight. We don't know why Sukkot is eight. The Rebbe hopefully will answer that for us also. But we also want to know, so what's the connection of Hanukkah to Sukkot? Why am I learning how to do Hanukkah from Sukkot? And particularly, cows. Ki inyan Sukkot, the whole inyan of Sukkot, v'gam inyan pareachag, and also ultimately we'll learn the bulls of the chag of Sukkot, who he's galus amakifin, is the revelation of a level of light that's called makif. Right? A level of light beyond the natural order, right? Sevev, as opposed to Mamale, right? The light that fills the world and is responsible for the natural order is a level of light. You guys all know this. We learned it in Basi Lagani, right? Color Mamale, <coughs> the level of godly light that's clothed in reality, either metaphysical or physical, and powers that level of reality. And, and it acts within the context of its own natural existence. If you're an Elam Abriya, so Elam Abriya has its own nature. Whatever the physical, metaphysical nature of Elam Abriya is, that's what it is. Right? And it can't be anything else. Okay? Elam Yitzira has its own nature. 
This world has its own nature. What's that nature? That godly, the godly light is clothed in physical vessels, and those physical vessels act in accordance with uh, uh, the, the chip that each and every one of them has <coughs> within the context of their natural, their natural behavior, their natural existence, etc., etc. Nature, the way things work. That's mamale. But we know there's a level of godly light beyond that, infinite godly light that's not clothed in vessels and, and expressed and revealed through those vessels in, 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 in specific and, and distinct ways, which is what vessels allow for, kalin. Now, a light that's too powerful to be clothed in vessels, an infinite light, and that light's called sevev, or makif. Oh, so what's sukkis? Sukkis is all about, and I'm sure you talked about this over Sukkot and forbranged about it over Sukkot. Sukkot is all about taking the makif of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur because your Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are a makif. Why are they a makif? They're an incredibly powerful inspiration from above but it's not that I've internalized that state of connection such that it becomes me. It's still something what we would call in a Veda makif. It's not who I am. It's affecting me. I'm very affected by it. I feel uplifted on Rosh Hashanah Kippur. I feel more connected to Elokus. But that's not coming from who I am. It's coming from a revelation from above, a makif, something that is surrounding me, encompassing me, but hasn't in, been internalized in me yet. Because when Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur ends, I'm not that much different. I'm certainly not holding on the level that I was holding at Ne'ilah. That's not me. Why was I holding there? Because of the makif of Ne'ila, not because that's who I am. Okay. What's sukkis? Sukkis is all about bringing the makif into panemius. The sukkah itself is a makif, surrounds you. What do you do in the sukkah? Yeshiva shebesukkah. You sit in the sukkah. You bring it down into hit yashvut so that it settles. What's the schach? The schach is the physical representation of the hundred kailis of the of the of the shafer. Schach is samach chaf chaf, sixty tekiyas, twenty truas, and twenty shvarim. Schach, a hundred kailis of the shafer. What else is schach? The <coughs> the ananeya kavod, the the ananeya uh, the 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 clouds of the of the keteris that was brought in the kedusha gadoshim on yom kippur. The physical representation of the makif of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Sukkis is about bringing that makif into Panemius, becoming, internalizing the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur experience so it stays with you through the rest of the year. That's Sukkis. So that's his galos makifin, revealing the makifin, bringing about a revelation in the natural order of a level beyond the natural order. That's Sukkis. Internalize Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So it becomes you. You're given eight days. Eight days, right? Amakif, eight, but it's brought down into you, we'll see. I was going to explain it. That's Sukkot. He's Galus Amakifin, the revelation of the all-encompassing light, bringing that down into your conscious reality. But Dugma Sukkot, just like a Sukkot itself, Kipshuta, Shemakefes Allah Adam, it surrounds a person, it encompasses a person. Ubashmini de Sukkis. What's the eighth day of Sukkis particularly? Shmini Atseris. What does Atseris mean? To gather, to stop. Right? A stop sign says Atsor. Right? It means to gather and to stop the Makifin. In other words, to gather all of these, all in, this incredibly powerful, all encompassing godly light and to bring it down into your conscious reality. 
The circus nimshokin hamakifin, they're drawn down, v'net sarim, and they're gathered, gamba pnimis, also in your inner conscious reality. That's sukkis. Sukkis is taking the makif and bringing it into panemius. Taking that which is usually transcendent of you and bringing it into your conscious reality. That's what sukkis allows us to do. That's what we try to accomplish in those seven days, eight days ultimately of sukkis. Ad kach. Does the Rebbe mention it here? I don't remember. Ad kach. Very similar to Hanukkah. What's the culmination of sukkis? What part of you is expressing its incredible devotion to a Kaddish Baruch Hu? What's the last thing you do at the last day of the holiday? What part of your anatomy works hardest? Huh? Your feet. Your regal. It hits the regal. It gets all the way down to the regal. You're dancing and dancing and dancing. You're dancing with a closed Sefer Torah because it's not what's it's not the intellectual information in the Sefer Torah that, that it's all about. What's it about? The essential connection to the Abishta that the Sefer Torah represents. You don't even open it. Because it's not about what's written in it, it's about what it is. What is it? What's a Torah? A Torah is the is the represent it represents your essential connection to the Abishta. And you dance with it. It hits your feet. Your feet are completely and totally imbued with the joy and and, and devotion that you feel in your relationship with the Abishta. So you dance all day. You can't stop dancing. Just like Avram, Akavasher Shama, that the ache of the heel of Avram heard Elokus. Right? Like the Rebbe said earlier in the Mimer, this Mimer. That's Sukkis. That's Shemini Yitzeres. That's Simchas Terah. <coughs> and the Friedrich Rebbe said that every step you take on Simchas Terah, you're drawing down buckets and buckets of Simcha for the whole year. You're drawing it down. You're bringing it down into the world. Every step. But Dugma Saveda is similar to <coughs> the Aveda of Messias Nefesh. What does Messias Nefesh do? Brings the Makif into Panemius. It brings a level of soul that's usually transcendent into your conscious reality. That's what, that's what Messias Nefesh is. That your conscious reality becomes connected to your essential connection to the Abishta. Becomes aware of it and a vehicle for, th- for the expression of it. So it's not just something Makif, it's not just something super conscious. No. It becomes part of your conscious reality. That's the Messias Nefesh of Hanukkah, bringing the eight into seven, which is really, really interesting. That's why Hanukkah also is one and seven, right? Why is Hanukkah a reality of one and seven on a certain level? Because <coughs> the miracle is only seven. Oh, because the miracle with the candles is only seven days. And there's a whole question as to why. We talked about it earlier in the Mayim. The whole question is to why Hanukkah is an eight-day holiday, because really the miracle, there was enough oil for one day, so it was only a miracle for seven days. Oh, so either finding the Pach Shemen, that's the, the first miracle, or victory in the war, that's the Rambam. Or there is a sheet that says the way the candles were lit and the way they, they okay, so really there was eight days of miracle with the candles itself. But, but on, a, on a simple shot level, Hanukkah is one and seven. Oh, it's bringing the one into the seven, bringing the makif into the panemius. Seven, natural reality, that it should be a vehicle for the expression of supernatural reality. 
That's what a miracle is. And that's what Hanukkah is all about. <clears throat> Sukkot is also one and seven, right? Seven days of Sukkot and then the eighth day, just backwards, so to speak. Right? Sukkot, in Hanukkah, you relate to the first day is separate from the next seven. Sukkot, it's the eighth day is separate from the first seven, but it's one and seven, both of them. <clears throat> that causes canal, and it, 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 it energizes and and penetrates and all the powers of the soul. It's so earlier in the Mimer. and this is why that both of these holidays, What we asked earlier, well, this is our second question. The Mispar Shmeina, the number says eight, who Aleph Zion is one and seven. <coughs> that the one, which is which is beyond the natural order, state of absolute oneness and revelation of God's oneness, the Rishusa Yochid, Nimshach Bezayin, is drawn down into the Rishusa Rabim, into the realm of Zion, into the realm of seven, nature, where the oneness of God might not be as obvious. <coughs> and just like Shenerez Hanukkah, just like Neis Hanukkah, pale effects, gamba, rigla de tarmudai, <coughs> the legs of the tarmudai, v'shnei and yonim, in these two different ways that we mentioned before, shebetchile, at first, hu mechale, hu it nullifies this negative reality, but ultimately, it illuminates it, v'acherkach, afterwards, pale behem, it brings about in them, shegam heim yehevchul l'kedusha, that also they <coughs> should be transformed to kedusha, that was the second level, Kloisa Nefesh. Al-Derek also. What's the Krovus Ayin Parim? Why do, who, what, are these, what do these 70 cows represent? 70 70, the 70 nations of the world. So on one level, we're diminishing their Koyach. Because it goes 13, 12, 11, 10. We want to diminish the Koyach of the nations of the world such that they have less power to enslave us. That's one thing. On the other hand, what are we doing? They're part of the base of Mikdash. They're being elevated into becoming part of the Kedush of the base of Mikdash. That's what Sukkot is. Sukkot is, 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 is where absolute unity of godliness is revealed in the physical world. So what was the holiday where the nations of the world were allowed, not only the 70 bullocks that we brought, but the nations of the world were allowed to bring Korbanus to the base of Mikdash. When? Sukkot. Because what's Sukkot? Sukkot is an elevation of nature so that everything in all of the natural world is connected to Elokos in a revealed way. So the nations of the world bring, <coughs> bring, bring sacrifices to the, to the base of Mikdash. That's the Jewish base of Mikdash. No, it's not the Jewish base of Mikdash. It's the world's base of Mikdash. The Jews just happen to be the custodians of it, like the Kohanim hang around in it more obviously than all other Jews. Okay, so the Yidin hang around in it more than the rest of the world. Called the Mamlechis Kohanim. Let's just finish up. So too, the sacrificing of the 70 cows. They're not cows, bullocks, bulls, male cows. That correspond to the 70 nations of the world. At first, the first step is to weaken them. Just like by the Riglit Tamude. First, it nullifies them. That's one notion of Kalya. But ultimately, it elevates them. 
That's the second notion of Kalya, Klois and Ephesh. So too by the 70 nations. The simplest first step is the nullification of them. That they will be diminishing gradually. That their power, the negative power of the Umas Ha'ilam will be diminishing. So it goes 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7. But ultimately, what does it bring about? It affects them. That they'll become in, in, incorporated in Kedusha. Were the nations of the world, Yedim, to know how the base of Mikdash is good for them. They would set up battalions around it. They wouldn't destroy it, they'd guard it. Because what if they understood how the base of Mikdash is good for them, so then they would they would they would guard it and make sure that it's it remains whole. So what happens in Sukkot? They become part of the base of Migdash. By virtue of the fact that it brings about in the non-Jewish world this transformation, and what at first they're diminished, that's Iskafia. But ultimately they're transformed into a state of Kedusha because they're now part of the 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 the, the avoid in the base of Migdash. Then it's added through them, siyua, help, gumba kedusha. Not only are they not Opponents of Kedusha, they affect Kedusha positively. Shmir is a Mikdash. They're guarding the Mikdash. Valderch Shia Lassid Lover, we'll just finish the paragraph. As it will be Lassid Lover when Mashiach comes, Kasher Az Efech El Amim. I will transform all the nations, La'avde Shechem Echad, that they will all cry out in a, in a clear language and they will serve God shoulder to shoulder. Strangers will come, Murud Seinchem, and they'll, they'll, they'll shepherd your sheep. Yidin can sit and learn Torah and Davin and do what they have to do so the, the nations of the world to make sure that all of the Gashmis is taken care of. Valderach, and that's similar to Akrovas Ayan Parim, the sacrificing of <coughs> the 70 cows, bulls, Shekeneged Ayan Umas, that correspond to the 70 nations. Va'ad, to such an extent, shall Yidei, that through Mitzad and as a result of Umas, the nations of the world, Nisvasev, there's an additional Bishmini, Korban the Vnei Yisrael Beis Amikdash. There's an additional korban in the in base of Mikdash. Now, what, what's the way we're referring to? Amazing idea. And we'll explain this and then we stop. Shemini Yitzharis. What's Shemini Yitzharis? So there's only, the, the korban in Shemini Yitzharis is one korban. Why? What's the mushal brought by Chazal? Kodesh Baruch Hu says to Am Yisrael, Kasha Lai It's hard to see you leave. Stay one more day, just you and me. Meaning the nations of the world have been here. Everybody's been here. The whole world has been here for a week. You're about to leave. It's hard for me. Everybody else is going home. I want you to stay for one day. Kasha Lepredascha. Okay. That one day, it's one Corbin. Look in the, look in Musaf, Shmini Yitzaras. Right? That one Corbin represents the unique relationship of Am Yisrael with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. What, so to speak, arouses in a Kaddish Baruch Hu the desire, the revelation of that incredibly powerful connection to the Yidden? The fact that the Umas Ha'ilam were in the base of Mikdash all week. So what did the Umas Ha'ilam bring about? What did the nations of the world ultimately produce? This higher level of Kedusha. If they weren't there, then this eighth level wouldn't have been revealed. If it was only us, after Pesach, what doesn't the Abishter say? Stay. Stay another day. Why not? Because it's only us. So he's had a week with us. Right? 
Someone told me about, you know, when the... What brachi says when the grandchildren come and what brachi says when the grandchildren leave. I don't remember, but, you know, something about, you know, Baruch Hashem when they come and Baruch Hashem when they leave. Whatever, I don't remember. Right? Okay. It's wonderful when they come. It's also wonderful when they leave. You get a little peace and quiet again. Okay. I don't like when they leave, but whatever. That's what they say. Right? Our kids left. We had 20 grandchildren making an absolute balagan in our house. So you couldn't see the floor mm-hmm. for a week of the wedding. And, uh, and then they left one by one. Or, you know, actually sort of, you know, four by five. By, you know, they leave in groups because they, they come in groups. So, so uh, when everybody was gone the first Shabbos, there were no grandchildren. And grandchildren. We had had grandchildren living in our house for five weeks, which was really, like, wild. You couldn't see the floor. Mess everywhere. So, so they left. I came home Friday night from shul. My wife was looking very depressed. Said, what, what, what's up? It's so quiet in here. Why there's no one making a mess? There's no so, so I went over to where the toys are for the grains and I poured a bunch of toys <laughs> on the floor. I said, Now you feel better. She said, now, now I feel better. <laughs> there's a bunch of toys all over the floor. I mean the place was just a ball of guy. We don't have such a big house. It was, just, it was you couldn't see the floor. Okay. But and when they leave it's also nice. Oh, hi dear. <laughs> oh, you're my, you're my wife. Well, I can talk to you again. So that's that's Sukkot. So the Rebbe says an amazing thing. What 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 ultimately brings about the revelation of the eighth level? The fact that the Umas Elam were there all seven. So not only do the Umas Elam get involved in kedusha, they produce a higher revelation that would have been if they weren't there. That's the eighth level. That's Hanukkah. That's the whole idea. If it's added, korban There's a, another korban that we bring because the, the whole the whole world was there. So ultimately, the darkness becomes the the force that brings about the most powerful revelation of the light. It's on a revealed level, so the Umasaila might be forces of darkness, but Panemius, what are they? Created by God like everything else. And so ultimately, when they're redeemed. And 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 reach a state of, of, of fixedness, so they too will be part of the kedusha of Elamaza, which is what Elamaza is all about, and that'll happen when Mashiach comes. Okay, we'll finish the Maimon tomorrow.